now it's Just Plane Radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. Take me to the Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir? I'd like you to take the helm, please. I'd be glad to. Greg, a co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis. And we got a special, uh, actually two guests, to help us navigate the latest aviation news and information today on Just Plane Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle of learning to fly. That'd be Tom Haynes from AOPA and also, I guess, from Tom, well, or from, not from Tom, from AOPA as well, at least part-time, uh, Jeffrey Simone. Uh, guys, welcome to Just Plane Radio. How are you? Is it, and by the way, great. did I make you sound more intelligent, Jeffrey, by saying Simone, or is it Simon? Oh, yeah, hey, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm trying to give you a little, uh, you know, French flair there. Thanks. You know? Yeah, okay. much appreciated. All uh, right. I'll stick with Simon just for the just for the heck of it. Keep okay. the tradition going. Well, he, you know, he uh, deals with engines and things like that, and, and what Simon says, obviously, you're supposed to listen to. So we're going to get into that a little bit later on, because we have some big news uh, regarding Captain Dennis today, uh, and his Mooney 201, and some of the things he may need to uh, purchase in the future. I, I'm not going to say any more than that, other than this is kind of a big deal for you, right, Dennis? Uh, very big deal. Yeah, very big deal. Uh, we'll get to that in just a bit. But we got to address the uh, elephant in the room or the, I don't know, how big was that plane that got run into by the Cirrus? It was pretty big. Yeah. Right? It was a good-sized little commuter, little turboprop commuter-sized airplane. Yeah. I mean, we didn't talk about this last week because the details were just coming out. We didn't really want to jump the gun before we... You know, heard, uh, you know, the rest of the story, so to speak. Well, that's kind of, you know, not the standard for us. Usually, you know, right. we get the facts after. Exactly. But we decided to, you know, uh, take the advice of our lawyers and uh, just wait uh, a few extra days before talking about this story with the Cirrus and the jet that collided in air. And then he pulled the parachute, the whole thing. Uh, I mean, it made the mainstream media it was all over the news. Uh, pretty big deal. Uh, but thank God. It appears everybody was safe, uh, which was, I don't know, um, possibly a miracle. Would you think, Tom, after you saw what these planes look like after uh, after the dust had settled? What do you think? Yeah, certainly the the Metroliner, boy, that was pretty amazing. Uh, It just took a big notch out of the aft fuselage of the Metroliner and the fact that it stayed together. Uh, all the way down to the landing, and the and the pilot calmly said, "Oh, I think I had an engine failure." And then he elects to just taxi off the runway uh, and go into. Uh, I think he was headed to signature. Right. And then you and you look at that airplane, and it's like, good grief! How would that possibly stay together? Because it just looked like it was held together by the cables running through the floorboards or something. Yeah. So uh, you know what everybody really wants to see in the video that would go viral is. If they have captured the pilot's first reaction when he actually saw that fuselage, when he walked back and uh, behind the plane or walked back in the gun, like, whoa, hey! Uh, Who left the lights on in the back cabin here? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was pretty dramatic. But, yeah, he just thought he had had a little minor incident. He, or Well, I guess engine failure is not a minor incident, but still, he had no idea. You know, a big section of his plane was missing. Is that right, Tom? 
I would think so. It's certainly the way he responded and how calmly he responded. Yeah. Um, sure, sure seems like he didn't understand the the true, well, impact of the whole thing. Right. So I, I do wonder if there was that delayed response of like uh, where, you know, crawled into a ball, you know, and that kind of thing. I, I don't know. These pilots that I've talked to, you know, they, they got nerves of steel and uh, I have never seen one break down. Uh, but I would think that would possibly lend itself to such a reaction but maybe that's just yeah. me but yeah you I know hope you bought a lot hope you bought a lottery ticket that day yeah exactly now pretty dramatic stuff now uh there's all kinds of atc uh audio on youtube now of what actually happened and and they show the tracking you can look this up yourself and it, it's pretty crazy it, it's hard to determine I mean, it, well, you can't really determine. It'll take them a year or two for for them to actually figure out what exactly happened other than the, they collided, obviously. Or when I say they don't know, you know, who's to blame or what's to blame might be several factors. But it's a dramatic thing to watch on YouTube. And I assume you've done this many times, right, Dennis? Oh, yeah. Um, I, that's one of the first things I did once I saw the news articles was, you know, try to see what was available. And I was surprised how quickly websites like Vasa Aviation and whatnot had already put together, you know, a, the uh, kind of the armchair quarterback uh, review of what had happened and pulled in the ATC audio and yeah. also, you know, superimposed with like the radar tracks. And, you know, you can see these airplanes, you know, maneuvering for quite a while coming into the airport and you know, it, it's it's obvious that somebody uh, didn't stay in their their lane, and uh, that's why we had the impact. But you know, I'm sure that this is going to raise questions within the FAA about uh, airport operations and spacing of runways, and there may be you know even more insight looking at uh, at the actual infrastructure itself. Yeah, you know, I and that video of the pilot and his first reaction of seeing the damage is one thing. It probably doesn't exist as far as I know. Uh, otherwise, I think we would have seen it already because it would definitely have went viral. However, the ATC uh, chatter about the incident is is pretty um, interesting to me from the same reason that, that they had, they were extremely calm when they reported this incident. You could see how the, the numbers were going together on the video and you hear the ATC guy just go, uh, oh, you know, he, he doesn't stutter. He doesn't just, you know, like, holy crap, look out! You know, none of that kind of stuff, which is what I would do in the tower. I guess that's why I'm not a tower caller. You think, uh, you think Tom, or what? <laughs> well, there's probably more reasons than that, Greg, while you're not Okay, the well, there's, yeah, there's a whole <laughs> intelligence issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but no, but you're right. The controller was uh, remarkably calm as well. He made one, I think it was one call to the Cirrus to say, uh, try to try to reach him when he didn't get a response. He basically said, um, Cirrus, if you can hear me, we've we've uh, dispatched uh, emergency equipment your direction. And then this other voice comes on and says, yeah, um, we saw the parachute. And it turns out it was a student on, uh, as I as I understand it, their first solo in a 172 that was following behind and kind of saw the whole thing, saw the chute deploy. So imagine that as your uh, first solo flight. Yeah, that, w- that would be uh, quite a lesson that you've learned. Uh, you know, I mean, if nothing else, just like, thank God I'm not that guy, you know, let me get this plane. Imagine what's going through his mind. Cause I don't think the instructor briefed you for what happens when they shut the runway down while you're flying on your first solo. So true. Midair, right. But yeah, but the, the, the chatter is pretty calm. Everybody keeps their cool. There's no one yelling, freaking out or anything. I I mean, you've covered these type of incidents before in the past. Is that pretty typical Tom, or would you expect a little bit more emotion? Well, the controllers generally are very professional about sort of things. You know, they're 
They spend a lot of time thinking about how to deal with uh, emergency situations and how to deploy the right assets. And they've got a lot of backup. There's always, you know, supervisors uh, usually right behind them, ready to step in and and take on a difficult uh, situation like that. So they're generally very professional and and do a great job. But you don't often get to hear it as clearly in action as we saw it and uh, heard in this case uh, right. when we had the AT- the ATT- ATC tapes. Yeah, I mean they handled it as better as professionally as you could expect. Way better than I I would have thought they'd been able to pull it off. Would you agree with that, Dennis? Oh yeah, I mean there was zero emotion. It was just very. Business, all business. Yep. Let's get them. Uh, let's get some help to them ASAP. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's just interesting from that well, standpoint. And, and some of the conversations. I mean, they were still. You know, everything was business as usual. They cleared the next airplane, the land behind the metro liner, and I think somebody else spoke up on the frequency about you might want to close that runway for FOD at the moment. You know, because they didn't know where, where were there pieces from that airplane, you know, on the runway yet, or we, we don't know. Yeah. I, I'm so. just shocked. There wasn't like all kinds of cursing and people yelling and screaming. Oh, like, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's a good thing. Oh, I wasn't humanity. in the airspace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, that would just been a dramatic thing uh, to witness and hard to keep uh, your mouth shut. So it's probably good. I wasn't flying around that day, but, uh, but yeah, you know, you can look at this many ways. Obviously there, there was some mistake made somewhere. We don't know what the answer is to that yet, and uh, time will tell. But on the other side, if you want to look at the, you know, it's half full kind of thing, everybody came out safe. Uh, they deployed the parachute. It worked as designed. I mean, that, you know, that <laughs> I, I would think this could be a, a selling uh, thing for the Cirrus airplane again. You Are you with me, Dennis? What do you think? It is absolutely a selling point yes. for Cirrus's airplanes. Heck yeah. They work. They weren't there. They proved it in a way they probably preferred not to. More coming up on Just Plane Radio. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. Whether you're a flight student, an experienced pilot, or simply an aviation enthusiast, there is a place for you as a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Join AOPA to get the latest general aviation news, safety resources, and technical support you need to sharpen your skills and become a central part of the nation's vibrant general aviation community. Learn more about becoming a member at AOPA.org. That's AOPA.org. Do you have a message or product you need to share with the aviation world? Well, look no further than Just Plane Radio. Just like you, thousands of aviation enthusiasts are hearing this message. And we could be talking about you and your product or service as early as next Saturday. Remember, a terrible thing happens when you don't advertise. Nothing. 
go to JustPlainRadio.com. Send us an email and let us get to work to make your marketing message matter. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. The landing is your first impression. It's your it's your superhero handshake. We were all meant to fly. Spread your wings across the universe. Soon you'll find that it's your time to fly. This is Just Plain Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis from AOPA. We have Tom Haynes. We also have Jeffrey Simon. Uh, he, he's a mechanic, among other things, and writes uh, articles for AOPA. And uh, look, we got a lot of navigation to do through the latest news and information for aviation enthusiasts. And we also got to talk about uh, an issue that Dennis is having with his aircraft. That's coming up. But first, when, you know, we got to have to backtrack again into last week of a story we brought up. And I guess uh, this is going on in uh, Jeff's backyard. Is that right, Dennis? This issue. That's with right. This? this is Massachusetts. Okay, and, and so refresh everybody's memory. There was uh, a guy from Nantucket, and he was in. <laughs> what? What did he no, do? No, no, not that story. That's exactly oh. how the story starts. <laughs> okay. <and ends. laughs> uh, what happened, Dennis? Yeah. So there was a bill being mm-hmm. floated in the Massachusetts legislature to introduce a $1,000 landing fee for all non-airline flights in the state of Massachusetts uh, with the funds going to a unnamed, undecided uh, climate mitigation purpose. Uh-huh. Well, you can imagine what that would happen. Uh, I'm guessing that Jeff was probably already looking for hangars in ne- neighboring states uh, mm. and to get his airplane out before they charge you a takeoff fee as well, right? Is that true, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although, to be honest with it, I, I tend to look at these things with a, a spectator's grin and popcorn in hand. Um, you know, when something that crazy comes out, uh, it tends to be, a, you know, all someone just seeking a little attention in the media, even if it's bad attention. Yeah. Yeah. It's never going to fly. Pun intended. Uh, I, I cannot. Yeah. I cannot imagine that there was uh, uh, any real thought that went into that, other than you know, a lot of people don't know my name. <laughs> okay, and, and luckily we still don't. We don't need to recognize them by name, other than just say there once was this idiot from Nantucket, and then you can fill in the rest and rhyme it accordingly. <laughs> but uh, the thing but, is, okay. yeah, go ahead, Tom. A lot, a lot of the pilots, a lot of people who do know his name now are pilots, and they know who not to vote for. Uh-huh. That um, is as a important. result, when you come up with such a stupid idea as that, and and so and, uh, no research or no understanding of the impact of that is just just crazy. And and this is the uh, elected officials that are making decisions for you. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, good job. Yeah, I, so- I think. Go ahead. I think the realistic risk of these types of things in general is that there's a there's obviously a technique that's often used by by politicians and in some cases business people where you 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 come out with something absolutely outrageous and you know it's outrageous you know it's going to blow up everything but what you do is you then negotiate down and down and down and down to where you actually end up with something and so if they actually wanted to sit there and say hey let's start a you know a a fee of ten dollars a landing Mm -hmm. or something to fund something if they came out at ten dollars everyone would have the same level of outrage it would never pass but they come out with a thousand dollars and maybe they can negotiate 
negotiate their way down to ten dollars, and all of a sudden, you know, they've they've made great compromise. And I do think that's a, that's a realistic risk, and something that uh, my hats off to for, to AOPA Tom and uh, and the folks that protect us from from those things as well. Yeah, I I agree. It's definitely a technique, and uh, you got to just shut it down as quick as you can and because once one person does it then the kind of precedent gets set like oh well they did ten dollars we'll do 20 and next thing you know they are up to a grand or something you know a few months or a few years down the road so yeah you know that's really what part of your uh, membership dues to aopa uh, uh goes to is funding efforts to kind of keep this stuff at bay to keep the government in check so to speak so you you guys do you got a pretty good handle on that you think Right now, Tom, or are there other little, I don't know, moles that are popping up? And when I say moles, I mean politicians. You got to need to whack them with a hammer. What do you think? Well, I know that our regional manager up there, Sean Collins, is uh, totally uh, in, in touch with everybody, and including the senator himself. He's personally heard back from the senator, uh, who is already backpedaling. But again, I think Jeff's got a valid point that uh, some of that backpedaling may be uh, a strategy to uh, get down to some other, you know, what might be seen as initially as sort of a palatable kind of thing. Um, and so I think the challenge for us uh, is to keep these sorts of things from cropping up anywhere because um, it's now the sort of thing when you get stupid stuff out there like that, that others around the country will start picking up on it and say, well, if they can do that, we can do that too. Right. And all of a sudden it becomes uh, the norm. And, and so we've um, got our regional managers across the country pretty hypersensitive right now to looking at anything going on in the state legislatures to make sure that we don't see copycat kind of things uh, starting to crop up. Right. Because that's the last thing I wish there, we were, there was some kind of penalty we could put on these politicians where when they propose something as ridiculous as this or something that you know is going to just be very, very hurtful to the industry, says, okay, fine, you don't like us? Well, you can't fly with us anymore. You're on a no-fly list. Can we do that? Can we, can we start that campaign, Tom? Uh, sure. Um, um, but most of these guys, you know, wouldn't know a general aviation airplane if it uh, showed up on their front door. Uh, and wow. so when they think, think most for the most part, when they think airplane, they think airliner. And so I don't think we're going to be in, successful in getting Southwest, uh, to, to shut this guy down. But, well, we know uh, people there, it's, uh, you know, some of the general aviation people, uh, you know, cross over into commercial so maybe we can put in a word well anyway I, I would like to point out something else which also shows the importance of organizations such as like you know aopa protecting us from things like that and that's what recently i believe passed uh up in canada uh and that has to do with the the sales uh tax that's now uh levied on uh on aircraft i'm pretty sure i don't know for a fact that 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 actually passed through but that was a case where uh, you know they've added a, a vast sa- uh, a sales tax now um, that they call on luxury vehicles, which they you know miraculously due to lobbying efforts. Of course, you have aircraft over a thousand, a hundred thousand uh, dollars being hit with. I believe it's like twenty percent or something like that. Right. Um, and boats have to be at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So we know where the where the lobbying uh, activity is on something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that. Um, uh, you know that that's where that that's where all the different uh, alphabet organizations come in and help protect you. Whether uh, obviously the boat owners got protected and the aircraft owners didn't up there, and we don't want that to come to us. Right. Well, they just think uh, you know all these pilots are filthy rich. You know, I mean, yeah, you're certainly not seeing them imposing a fee to launch your boat at the boat ramp, right? You know, right. And well, how but- is that any different? And I bet the environmental impact of all of the boaters 
and their beer bottles that are getting thrown into the lake <laughs> and the invasive species. Uh, anyway, that hold on, hold on. We like all, boaters. We're all hating on the boat. No, guys yeah, here. we love hey. boaters too. It's a form hey, of transportation. I'm just saying, yeah. You know, that you're trying to say that the airplanes are bad for the environment. We need a thousand dollar fee, but nobody's looking at the stuff that's happening right behind you. And to your point, the airplane owners, we they think that we're all rich, but the fact of the matter is my airplane costs less than the pickup truck that's pulling most bass boats. And for that matter, it's significantly less than a new bass boat. Yeah, so I, I don't think it has anything guy? to do with the environment, though, in this case. It's just that uh, we're easy targets. They just think, oh, they're pilots. They got plenty of money. They're boaters. They got plenty of money. And like you said, it's 250 for boaters only because the boating community might be slightly larger than the general aviation community and have better representation in that. Not really better, but maybe just a little bit more because we have AOPA and they're the best of the best, right? Of course. All right, look, we got more coming up on Just Plane Radio. Stay close. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Whoa, kill the motor, dude. Let us see what Squirt does flying solo. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, along with Captain Dennis. And uh, we're joined by AOPA's Tom Haynes. You can check him out every week at AOPA Live, uh, AOPALive.org, or just go to AOPA.org, either way, and you can find out everything you need to know about that fine organization. And then check out Tom, you know, when he does that uh, little TV uh, internet show they do every week very informative stuff as well uh jeff simon from socialflight.com our guest as well you, you guys have a mobile app that people can download as well right jeff yes we do absolutely whether it's on the web or the mobile app our mission uh, is to get pilots out there and flying give them a destination tens of thousands of events everything they need yeah and uh jeff is a, a mechanical genius 
And that is one of the reasons why we have him on the show today. You'll find out here momentarily when we dive a little deeper with Captain Dennis's issue and his Mooney 201. But first, before we do that, uh, Tom has some news on, uh, well, Warbird instruction flights have, what, changed? Or they there's a new proposal? What, what's going on exactly, Tom? Yeah, well, there's a recent um, um, decision by the District Court of uh, the District of Columbia Circuit Court, uh, Court of Appeals, uh, one of the, which is the last court of appeals before the Supreme Court. So it's a very important uh, decision about um, basically them agreeing with the FAA uh, regarding an emergency revocation of a company that was doing flight training in a warbird. But the important part of it is because of the language in the decision, it could impact. Uh, all of flight training. And so we're, and many others are, are heavily involved in this. Our general counsel has written a piece that's on our website now that talks about um, what the language might say and how it might impact anybody who's doing flight instruction, which the FAA seems to want to be interpreting, or at least this decision would allow the FAA to interpret that anybody who's offering instruction in an airplane is being basically paid to fly. And, and traditionally, the way the regulations have been interpreted is that when you're instructing, you're being paid to for your teaching abilities, not for the flying part. And so compensation for hire becomes a big deal in the aviation world because then it's a whole new set of requirements that are upon you and your aircraft and your company and everything else if you are, in fact, flying for hire and of course that's not what flight instruction is meant to be and has ever been Mm -hmm. and so this interpretation really opens the door to that this this decision and so we're we have called upon the faa to say okay this this court case has come down decisions were made and ufa you owe us the pilot community an explanation of really what is the issue and are you in fact going to interpret it that uh, instruction is fly for hire and if it is then that's pretty disastrous and a real safety hazard we believe well what's your gut feeling on this tom is this uh, just kind of like a semantic oversight that they didn't realize like okay we did this and oh there could be these other ramifications or is there some political effort at, at, at work here it's like hey here's another way where we can get into their pockets and they won't know well, it well the frustrating thing is that that we inter- we anticipated that, that it could play out this way and that the court, not being aviation experts, uh, might in fact you end up issuing a decision that had this kind of language. So last year, we and NBAA and some other organizations got together and, and wrote an amicus brief to the court to basically say, hey, be careful in this interpretation that use very narrow language that specifically fits this warbird situation and doesn't have implications for the rest of flight training. What did they do? They completely ignored that mm-hmm. and came out with this very broadly worded uh, decision that now leaves open the possibility that the FAA could uh, begin um, uh, basically saying that flight instruction is is flight for or, uh, for hire. And so um, we don't know what the FAA is going to say. We're expecting it could, could be any time in the next uh, week or two. It could be longer. You never know from the FAA how long they're going to take to issue these opinions. I'm going to go longer. Just, yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, that's probably a, a yeah. pretty uh, fair interpretation of mm-hmm. that. But we think that um, in the end, the FAA is going to do the right thing and is going to say, no, 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 that's that's not what we meant. Um, this was very specific to this uh, Warbird case. And um, trust me, if it's not, uh, then we're going to have a big issue because, you know, at the end of the day, safety will be impacted by this because people make decisions about, uh, you know, whether to train or not or how the, how they train 
as a result of that, it's going to impact flight instructors, flight schools, and, and a lot of others. So we'll be all over it, including going to Congress. We have to, to, to get legislation written to force the FAA to, to change the regulation of that's what it comes to, but that'll be a, you know, probably multi-year process and a lot can happen between now and then. Right. Is there any advantage for the FAA to uh, go against us on this? No, I wouldn't think so. Is there? Or what only, do you think? The, only the legal department of the FAA, which uh, frankly seems to be um, running a little bit of amok on a number of issues right now. And uh, they were, are without a general counsel at the FAA. They're expected to get one um, sometime soon. And we're hopeful that the new general counsel, once they get into place, will in fact, um, you know, kind of rein in the um, the legal side of the FAA, who seems to perhaps be a little little off base on a number of issues. So that would be a you know kind of the best case scenario is that we get a new general counsel in quickly who recognizes what's going on and, and kind of gets her, his or her lawyers uh, together and says, look, look, guys, we're, we're here to be part of this community, not against the community. Got it, Dennis. Uh, you being a flight instructor, uh, you're watching this pretty closely, I guess, right? Well, I'm watching it extremely closely because I'm one of the uh, flight instructors that's able to do my teaching under basic med because the way that the rules are, are interpreted is that I am not flying for hire. So if I was to fly for hire, that means I would have to have a second class medical, which is going to you know require me to have a physical every year. And that's a, there's added costs and whatnot there. And so, you know, this is something that I'm watching, you know, real closely because it could affect, you know, my ability to provide you know, basically free instruction like I've been doing for, you know, friends, family, neighbors, you know, anybody that asks, I'm more than happy to teach for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we will see. We'll monitor it accordingly. Hopefully, uh, you know, they'll they'll get it in check. And once again, here's another example of why uh, you should be supporting AOPA. Uh, you know, they're keeping their eyes on this kind of craziness and, uh, and keeping them in check or at least trying to keep them in line, guide them the right way. All right. Uh, that is uh, about all the news and information we got to share today, but we still got more uh, show to do. And uh, we're going to dedicate that to Captain Dennis and his Mooney 201 because, you know, he called me up uh, Friday, last Friday, and he says, uh, Greg, he goes, I got good news and I got bad news. We took a piston out of the uh, engine there at the Mooney 201. We thought we were going to replace a piston, maybe all of them, if we're lucky. Uh, but uh, we, we did pull the piston, and uh, it was, well, now it goes to the bad news. looks like we need to get a whole new engine. Is, do I Did I get that right in a nutshell? Yeah, pretty close. So I think pulled, both those cylinder. are bad newses, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Uh, bad bad news. You anyway, know, you got to look, look at it from the positive standpoint, Greg. Yeah. At least we now know what was causing this intermittent problem and we were able to take care of it in my hangar at my airport and not in the middle of the Everglades or on the side of a freeway or, you know, something like that. Well, okay, that's true. Uh, You can look at it that way. And I guess that's really the only way to look at it from a positive standpoint. Because there's nothing else positive about this. This is going to be very expensive and time consuming. And that's one of the reasons why I brought Jeff on the, uh, the radio today is because I wanted to get, you know, an unbiased opinion or, you know, an unbiased opinion of what I should be looking for or concerned with as we're we're now starting to shop around for an overhaul because there are endless options. You know, you would think that you just go down to the engine store and buy an engine, but it's it's actually far more complex than that. I mean, we can go back to Lycoming and get a brand new motor, 
but you'll pay, you know, more than I paid for just the airplane to get just an engine. Yeah, so, pay through the you know, nose. And, and Jeff, I got to say, so. you're like an engine genius. You know, I said that earlier. You shook your head like, oh, geez. But uh, but you're kind of like a mechanic expert, and 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 you probably have to play part time psychologist sometimes as well in a case like this, don't you? Uh, probably more than the engine consulting side of it. There you yeah. see, I knew, I just knew that was the case. Because yeah. I'm wondering if Dennis is in denial. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. But we'll uh, we'll dive a little deeper into this next, right here on Just Plain Radio. Stay close. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I need your weights, by the way. What do you mean? For the plane. It's I'm a safety issue. I'm giving you issue. the weight. This is a regulation. This is a- Ask Jeff if he'll give you his weight. You're not going to give me your weight? She doesn't even know how much I weigh. No. You know who else doesn't know how much I weigh? My doctor. My weight. My business. No one knows. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be dead in the Sea of Cortez than have you know what I weigh. We got two hearts on fire. Breathe This is Just Playing Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, Dance Milo, Captain Dennis. From AOPA, we have Tom Haynes. And from uh, socialflight.com, Jeff Simon. You can download their uh, mobile app and uh, stay in touch with your fellow aviation enthusiasts at Social Flight and uh, maybe learn uh, learn a thing or two. And nothing else. You just uh, you know, chatter with friends that share your passion for aviation. I got that right, don't I, Jeff? Or close enough? Uh, get out there and fly. We list tens of thousands of aviation events and destinations, and we just want to get people in the air. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, Jeff and the gang may uh, provide some psychological support when you need a new <laughs> engine, uh, which is the case with Captain Dennis right now. He got the news that he needs a new engine for his uh, Mooney Two Hundred One. And, uh, you know, he's handling pretty good, or, or he's in denial. I'm not sure. I think it could be the latter. But I, I like your attitude, Dennis, okay? Well, let's just put it this way, Greg. A lot of my attitude about this has been, you know, thinking about the things that we want to be able to do with the airplane. Right. And I feel a whole lot more comfortable putting a new engine in it now and being able to go fly safely over the Everglades to you know, Pompano Beach to go scuba diving or down to Everglades City to get stone crabs or over to the Bahamas, right. knowing that I've got a solid engine, not not one that occasionally has an issue where the plugs are falling, or at least that's what all the mechanics had been telling me up to this point. So yeah. I feel good that we now have a positive answer as to what was, you know, this this little gremlin and now we can fix it. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, you know, if we were going to fly in, Moon, uh, you know, in his Mooney 201 to a dive destination, and I, I would be a little bummed if we got to a dive site a little earlier than I had planned. You hear what I'm saying? Well, Whatever. I'd have to charge <laughs> charge you extra for the new wreck dive. Yeah, of course, exactly. Uh, there's that. Okay, so uh, you, you know, basically, he pulled the piston. You saw some bad things, it, which was what exactly? What what happened? 
So it's a Lycoming IO360 engine. It's a four-cylinder, uh, you know, typical general aviation engine. And Lycomings, when they're not used regularly, I mean, we're talking, you know, like flying at least, you know, every day. Um, when they sit, bad things can happen. And with Lycoming, because the cam is not sitting down at the bottom of the engine, constantly bathed in oil, they have a more a likelihood to get a little corrosion on them, which then starts things uh, to pitting and spalling where metal on metal starts to rub and mm-hmm. grind. And yeah. yeah, and that's exactly what happened. The The lifters, which open the valves on the engine, have uh, gotten pitted to the point where things aren't working smoothly and it's actually starting to grind down the cam lobe. So now it doesn't open as well as it should. So the engine's not breathing, not making as much power. It's It's a bad thing. Yeah, and uh, get it done now before something catastrophic could happen. So he, he has at least that part covered correctly, right, Jeff? You think? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, Dennis, hats off to you for your attitude towards it, because I, I do think it's really important to, to look at the upside of when you go through something like this. I mean, uh, the reality is, and I, and I try to get people to understand this as, as much as possible, is, uh, maintenance issues don't heal themselves as much as we would love to. You know, you you encounter an issue. Uh, you you were, you, as I understand it, you were telling me that that you guys were having an issue where it, 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 with the engine was running rough at certain times when you were flying. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. yeah, and we couldn't we could never figure out what was the root cause. They they I would bring it to a mechanic and they would clean the spark plugs. Oh yeah, you had some carbon fouling in there and it's all good. And they're right, it was. And then it would it happened again. Mm-hmm. You know, and after doing this twice, it's like okay, I'm not going to go for a third try. So right. let's, let's figure out what's going on. And, you know, I finally found a mechanic that wasn't convinced it was a problem with the spark plugs and he started to, to reach into it. He wanted to do what they call the wobble test, which I believe you and I talked about too, is that yep. that's yep. the first thing that you first thing I would have gone to. Yep. The wobble test is what? When you walk out of the so, airplane, if the pilot is wobbling, <laughs> then, you know, you yeah, got that means you got too much money in one right. hip in your wallet and this will level that out. Ah. Okay. Oh, I thought it was after you got the quote for the engine, and yeah. then you started to wobble because you're going to fall over. <laughs> a little bit of that, for sure. All right. Neither one of you are wrong. Okay. Yeah. But- <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that's one of the big things, right, is anytime that you're dealing with an issue with your engine uh, or anything else on an aircraft, we as human beings have a an, an innate tendency where we just want to wish a problem away. And if it's an intermittent problem, and then even if you, you sort of, like in your case, someone said, oh, maybe it's just, you know, uh, being caused by some lead fouling in the plugs, and it gets a little better, or it just coincidentally doesn't happen anymore, we don't want to dig any deeper. And um, and the reality is we need to use the discipline that we have as pilots when we fly as to how we approach a problem and so we can get to the root of it. Because uh, your situation, as you mentioned, had to do with valves. And the valves were actually sticking, which can happen on Lycoming engines. Um, and so it's a known problem. There's things that you do to, to check that out, to find out if the valves are either have too much play or, or not enough uh, of free movement. Um, and when that situation is left to just progress because we find other things to look at, um, it can actually get bad. Uh, if, if it gets to the point that a valve actually sticks open, uh, which can be called sometimes morning sickness in cold engines, uh, then you could smash it against a, a, a piston that's coming up and you could do exactly what you mentioned and uh, uh, wind up uh, doing a little uh, swimming that you weren't planned on uh, mm. doing. And, and you're in a much better situation now. Well, I don't know if he's in a better situation yet because he hasn't done it. 
but uh, he, he's going to switch out the engine uh, with a, an overhauled engine. That's what you're going to do, Dennis, or do we know? Well, I pretty much discounted buying a new engine. That makes absolutely no sense and doesn't provide any benefit to me. So, you know, overhauling it is is definitely the, the way to go. And there's just so many options. Uh, I talked to Lycoming at Sun and Fun just to get their opinion. The problem is uh, the fa- even the factory lead times are months right now in getting new engines and overhauled engines. Uh, but fortunately, there's a large amount of shops, and, and maybe that's also a bad thing, is that there's a large amount of shops, and they all have their own opinions on what to do, what's best for you. Um, you can actually overhaul the engine and keep pretty much everything intact. They'll reuse your cylinders. They'll send out your crank and your cam, and if everything comes back with inspect, you know they can touch them up, do a little bit of grinding and profiling to reshape them, and you got all your parts back in. Hmm. Um, you can also send it to a shop, and they will send you back a completely rebuilt engine that they have sitting on the shelf already. Um, so now you're getting you know an engine maybe you don't know, but if yours was already in rough shape, maybe that's better. Uh, you know, Jeff, you've been down this road and Tom, you have too. I mean, what, what do you guys think, or what have you seen, you know, overhauled cylinders versus new, uh, exchange engines versus keep what you have. What do you think, Jeff? Well, uh, l- let's start with a, just a few terms just to make sure everybody's on the same page here. So when it comes to engines and, and working on them, there or replacing them is a better way of putting it. There are three options, only three legal terms. There's new, brand new, built by the manufacturer. Everything's new inside of it right. to new specs. There's rebuilt. That is uh, only can be done by the original manufacturer or someone authorized by that, which in our world is only the original manufacturer, only Lycoming or Continental can do a rebuilt engine, for example. And the third and that, is stolen. <laughs> no, that's <sorry>. right. <laughs> and, and that rebuilt engine means that the parts don't have to be new, uh, uh, most of them at least, uh, but they all have to be to the same specs. They all have to have same dimensions and everything else is a brand new engine, and only the manufacturer knows what those specs are. And then um, overhaul, which opens it up to the world. Everyone, uh, including your local shop there, without sending it out, including any AMP, can overhaul uh, an engine uh, in their own shop. You open it up, send the parts out, do whatever you need to do to get it all done, and the instructions are there for overhauling. They're published, and, and you put it back together. And so those are the most important terms as far as what those options are in front of you. And then the other thing I think that's really important is is kind of in making a decision is why you're you know, what your values are, what, what you're looking to, to achieve through an engine overhaul. I would know, imagine, I'm, Jeff, it comes down to the mechanic then, especially if you're going to do an overhaul, you better make sure you have a mechanic who really knows his stuff. So Dennis, make sure you get a proper aircraft engineer guy. Otherwise, I can't fly with you anymore. My wife won't let it. No, maybe she will. It's going to take a while to get this issue resolved. So on that note, we'll wrap it up till next time. Remember, there's no better high than learning, than learning to fly. To fly. Just Plain Radio is brought to you by JustPlainRadio.com. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from Morbid. Your aviation resource on the Information Super Skyway. It's the only way to be sure. Just Plain Radio is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. But just plain wrong. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustPlainRadio.com. I'm going to leave my people up to the radio tower. So tell a friend and take off every week with Just Plain Radio. And I'm going to make a call. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. (laughs) 
Listen up, everybody. I have some news. The opinions you just heard on Just Plain Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. We are screwed. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management, or advertisers. A little too far. Cross the line. There are many factors to consider before learning to fly. What is your problem? So make sure you do your own research and get the proper instruction before your exploration into aviation. Thank you very much, sir. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at JustPlainRadio.com.